Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Azrin the Language Nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode. First of all, I would like to remind you that I have a blog about language learning. If you've never read it before, or if you're not subscribed to it, please go to the following website, azrin.substack.com. That is A Z or Z R E N dot substack.com. And on that page, you'll be able to read the blog posts that I've already written. And if you choose to, you'll also be able to subscribe for email notifications every time that I write a new article. It's kind of interesting looking through some of those posts because I used to treat Substack, the platform I use for my, for my blog, I used to treat it more like an email newsletter. And so if you scroll back to some of the initial posts that I did, they're posted as if they're articles, as if I wrote a blog post, but I, in my mind, pictured it as an email newsletter being sent out. <laughs> and so some of them have the format of an email newsletter and not so much of a real blog post. But more recently, over the past few months, I've been writing more article-style, blog post-style of posts. So again, that is azarin.substack.com, A-Z or Z-R-E-N.substack.com, and you can read everything I've written on that site. Today, I would like to tell you a story. I would, after telling you the story, I'd like to tell you what the connection is to language learning. So as you may already know, lately, I have been spending more time on doing things that are not easy for me, things that challenge me. For example, I've been taking swimming lessons. I never learned to swim as a child. I never learned in my teenage years. And so now I'm learning as an adult. Very, re very recently, I went to a paint night. So I was painting, and that's very hard for me. Painting is by no means something that comes natural. I've also been taking cold showers. That was very difficult. I'm much more used to it now, although it's not fun. <laughs> but that's something I'm doing too. And so lately, I've just been going out of my way to do things that are challenging. And as I've been doing this and talking to people in my physical life, my real life, not on Instagram and Facebook and podcast and things like that, but my friends and my family. As I've been talking to them, they, the people I know have been making comments such as, wow, it sounds like you're having fun. Or they'll say, that's great that you're having fun painting. It's great that you're having fun at your swim lessons. Wow, it's, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. And people are using this word, which is fun. Every time they say, wow, it sounds like you're having fun, I think to myself, fun, fun, fun? No, I don't think I'm having fun. I don't think that's the right word. Fun for me is watching a movie in the movie theater. Fun for me is going to a new restaurant and checking out their menu and eating all the yummy things. Fun for me might be going to a picnic and hanging out with some people. These are things that are fun. Fun for me might be playing with my sister. That's fun too. We have a great time. There are a lot of things I do that are fun. But swimming and painting most recently, these are not things that I find fun exactly. The word I would probably use is something more like very engaging. When I was at my swim lesson this morning... I'm, uh, I've hired a different swim instructor than before. Now I'm in a real pool, a much better pool. 
I have a better instructor overall, I would say. And I had the first lesson today. I don't think I told you guys a story of the first instructor in the pool and everything. Maybe I'll tell you another day. It's not relevant to today's episode. Regardless, I had a swim lesson today. And it was hard. It was tough. First of all, it's a different pool. And this pool is a traditional swimming swimming pool. What you would picture when you picture a swimming pool. The old pool I used to go to was... To be honest with you, it's barely a swimming pool. I don't even know why the company I hired has lessons there. Doesn't make sense at all. It's an awful pool. But the one I'm now going then the one I'm now going to is a real pool. So the first thing that kicks in is, oh, oh, I remember how much this used to scare me as a child. So the initial what's the word? Fears and anxieties from childhood of looking at pools come back. So I have to overcome that. Then there's being in the water and focusing on all the different elements of, of swimming. Kicking my feet, keeping myself out of the water, not breathing in water, battling the fatigue of my arms or my legs or my core, whatever it is. Uh, struggling with the correct form, hearing the feedback of the instructor. I'm 100% focused at the task at hand. And listen, it's not fun. It isn't fun. It is very engaging, though. I'm fully 100% focused on the task at hand. And I would say it's more than fun. Fun to me seems very shallow. This is quite deep. This is a deep level of engagement, and it's more than fun. It's better than fun. And same with the painting. The painting was not fun. I did not have fun painting. But I think it was more than fun. It was better than fun. I was fully engaged. And I think the next time I go, I've booked myself for some weekly classes now for painting starting in October. I think when I go next time, it's going to be an even deeper level of engagement. I'll be so concentrated and focused on the task at hand. So why am I sharing all this with you? The reason I'm sharing it is because I think a lot of people, when they're trying to learn a language... I think many people are thinking about how to make it fun. That's the word they're thinking of. Maybe unconsciously, maybe consciously. How do I make it fun? How do I make it enjoyable? So they use, for example, Duolingo. They use Babbel. They use resources and methods that are enjoyable or fun. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. However, I think it's better based on my experience, my recent experiences of learning how to swim, painting, when I'm learning these skills, I'm realizing myself that, at least for me, I think it's better to aim for something that is extremely engaging and challenging. Challenging and engaging to the point where it requires your full focus. You can't think about dinner. You can't think about the fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You can't think about all the things that are causing you anxiety and stress or that are bugging you. You're fully in the moment. It's very engaging, so you don't hate it because that would not be good. It's engaging, and it's challenging. And I think that's, that's something better to aim for. Don't aim for something as shallow as fun. I think it's better to aim for something that is deeply engaging and challenging. That's a better way to structure, structure one's language studies. To layer on this a little bit more, I'll give a language example. So I speak five different languages. English is my mother tongue, so I learned that growing up. Gujarati, I also learned growing up, but only to an intermediate level. 
And then French and Spanish were languages they learned as foreign languages, truly as foreign languages. And uh, for my Gujarati studies from the intermediate level and beyond, which is what I'm doing now, and then of course for French and Spanish, as I think back to how I learned those languages and how I continue to learn, for instance, Mandarin. Oh, I didn't mention Mandarin. I speak Mandarin too. <laughs> Mandarin and uh, and Gujarati particularly, as I think about them, that's been a one of the key focuses for me has not been fun exactly, although I do have fun. But it's it's more than that. As I've said many times, it's more than just fun. It's whenever I practice my Mandarin or Gujarati, whenever I study it, it's deeply engaging and challenging. It's deeply engaging and challenging. It's exhausting sometimes too, to be honest with you. But in a good way, not in a bad way. It's not exhausting in a way where I don't want to do it again. For those of you that like to work out, not everyone does, of course, but for those of you that like to work out, or maybe you're into a sport, maybe you're, think of something that you're very much into, where you do it and you get fully engrossed in it. Now, I'd be careful. Don't think of something you get engrossed in like television because that's a little bit different. But something that requires your focus and attention and is not easy that you get engrossed in. It should almost feel like that when you're learning a language. I think that probably, I don't know the neuroscience behind it, although now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I should go figure it out. But I bet you anything, that mental state when trying to learn a language or really learn anything, it's probably the optimal state to be in to maximize, to maximize learning, if I had to guess. Now, for the second part of this podcast, I only have about five or six minutes, so I promise this won't get, this won't go very much longer. But for the second half of this podcast, I want to share something else that I've said before, but is very, very important when it comes to learning a language or really learning any skill. And it's something that I've known for a long time, but has only been stressed in, in its importance recently. And that is sleep. Because we, turns out, from what I've been learning about neuroscience and the brain, it turns out, from what I can tell, that a lot of learning that you do is done in your sleep. A whole bunch of your learning is done at nighttime, while you sleep. Yes, you study it when you're awake, but your brain reviews it and stores it in the and stores the information while you are sleeping. So... From what I can tell, and based on my experience, getting a good amount of rest at night is crucial. Now, one of the things that I did recently that helped me get a better night's sleep, not that I get a bad sleep per se, I do generally sleep pretty well, but even then, even with me sleeping quite well, doing this one practice helped quite a bit, and I noticed a difference when I did it about two nights ago, and I want to share it with you. And the thing I did, the activity I did, is something called Yoga Nidra. So it's yoga as in yoga, N-I-D-R-A. There are so many videos on YouTube that walk you through it. It's essentially a form of guided meditation that will direct your attention. You're on your back. You're laying down while you do it. You're laying down on your back. You can do it from wherever you're comfortable. And uh, it'll guide you to shift your attention to different parts of your body and relax each part of each part of your body one by one. And something about this practice puts, at least for me, put me in a much deeper state of relaxation. In fact, it's, it's a practice that I'm not going to do all the time, but doing it once was really powerful 
because I feel like it taught my brain and my body how to calm down. I was I thought to myself after doing it, oh, right, I, I actually can do this. I don't need to listen to someone per se, although it's helpful to do so. But my body has the capability of calming down and going to a deep state of relaxation. I actually have the ability to be in control of that. I'm in control. The emotion is not in control. I'm in control. Right. That's been a theme in my life recently. Because we are, at least to some extent, in control of our emotions. We are at least in some in some to some degree, we're not in 100% control, I suppose, because things happen that make us feel a certain way, but we have a certain degree of control over how we feel. I was listening to a podcast clip today, which uh, initially I disagreed with. I thought to myself, this isn't right. I'm not sure if this is right. This goes against what I believe. But as I thought more about it, I thought, as I thought more about it, I realized actually maybe they're, maybe they've got a good point. This is a clip from Jocko Willink's podcast. He was saying uh, he was saying that it is okay to stifle your emotions, to push them down. And I thought to myself, that can't be right. What do you mean push your emotions down? H- how is that? How is that a good idea? He was saying that you don't need to express and get every emotion out. And again, I thought to myself, huh. That sounds unhealthy. Doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds unhealthy. But I kept listening to the clip and they explained in more depth what they were saying. And the way, what my understanding of it was this. As we go through the day, our emotions go slightly up and slightly down. There's little things that happen that make our emotions get slightly better, slightly worse. Slightly sadder, slightly happier. Slightly more anxious, slightly less anxious. Slightly more stressed, slightly more excited. Slightly more calm, slightly agitated, slightly like these little movements up and down in our mood that happen throughout the day. Maybe I'm a little hungry now. I'm a little hungry. And so I'm acting a certain way or I feel a certain way or I'm very thirsty or I'm really tired because I had a big day at work. These are all minor day-to-day fluctuations in our mood and our emotional state. And the point he was trying to make in the, in the podcast, and he made it pretty clearly once you listen to it a bit more in this little clip, the point he's making is those little fluctuations in mood that are normal and that happen due to amount of sleep, due to what we ate, due to what we drank, due to what happened at work, due to your boss yelling at you, due to who knows, you being behind on a deadline, due to who knows, a million different factors. The little, little day-to-day variations should not affect your behavior. Just because your boss yelled at you at work and you're feeling down about it and stressed about it and anxious, it doesn't mean you now go home and treat everyone in your household poorly. No. Or just because you're hungry, it doesn't mean you treat someone poorly and say, I'm sorry, I was hungry. He was saying, no, those kinds of day-to-day things that might knock your mood down are things that you have to master and say, yes, I feel this way, but I'm not going to let that affect my behavior in a way where I cause someone else harm or I hurt their feelings or I hit them or I do something that you know you shouldn't. Does that make sense? Your behavior and your emotions are unlinked. Now, when something is really deep and traumatic, for example, 
pushing past it is not a good idea. You have to talk about it. You have to deal with it. You have to acknowledge that there's a lot that has to be done. But little things throughout the day, while you will acknowledge them, while you give them attention, while you may even process through them, you do not allow, you do not allow that to affect your behavior in a way that would be harmful to yourself or harmful to others. That's what he was really trying to get at. And I thought, that makes a lot of sense. That, indeed, makes a ton of sense. And I forget where I came from that. Oh, yes, I was talking about controlling your emotions. I was talking about how by doing this one one time, I did no yoga nidra a couple of days, two nights ago. When I did it, I realized, oh, yeah, I have control over... I have more, I have control over my emotions. I can make myself feel different ways. And so I now, I've now installed a new gear in my brain. That's the cool thing, by the way, of doing things that are challenging and pushing yourself and doing things that are hard, such as I've been doing with swimming and, and painting and cold showers and these kinds of things. I feel like my brain gets rewired. I actually feel it and I get new thoughts I never had and new gears in me that I never had before. So it's a, something I'd highly recommend. It's pretty cool. I feel like new programs get installed in my brain, like in the Matrix, when he goes, I know Kung Fu, if you know that reference. Um, so what's really interesting is when I did the Yoga Nidra and such, and I've been doing this, I have a new gear in me, which is something like this. When I feel anxious, when I feel nervous, when I feel sad, when I feel something that would be categorized as a negative emotion, I now have a gear that I can look, I can say to myself in a stern, fatherly voice, in a sense, to go, no, right now is not the time to get derailed by that emotion. No. So there's something this morning that was causing me anxiety, and it was really ruining my day, to be honest. It was really, it was ruining my day. And then I turned that gear on and said, no, now is not, and this kind of, in my head, this is the voice. Now is not the time to let that derail your day. Do not think about that now. Not now. Here's when we're going to. You've got this time after you teach and blah, blah, blah. You've got a block in your day. You're going to sit down and you're going to think about this and you're going to deal with this. And if you don't finish with and you don't finish dealing with it in that little time block, we're turning the taps off. No, we're moving on with the day and we'll continue to process it at a later point. Because life has to continue, right? Life has to continue. You can't let your whole day be derailed or weeks or months be derailed. Now, again, sometimes there's exceptions. There's big trauma, there's deaths, and there's really serious things that happen. And you might need to actually pause your life, actually hit pause on your life for a week, two weeks, a month, two, who knows how long, six months, a long time. You might really have to. But again, those are major events. And I think myself and, and many others, we experience little things that are not major events that will derail us for weeks or even just a day. And that's where I've been blessed in a sense. Re this is recent. Recently, I've now got this gear in my brain to go, no, stop. No, we're not going down that path. Stop. We're not doing that. You're feeling anxious about X, you're feeling sad about Y, you're feeling nervous about Z, you're feeling whatever I'm feeling. Now is not the time to deal with that. 
because you need to go drive to your swim lesson. You paid for that. You don't want to pay for it, not go, and then not learn to swim, and then you're going to beat yourself up about that in three weeks. That's a bad idea. So now is not the time to deal with that. Go to your swim lesson. Think about it in the car if you want to. Let's do that. Get your stuff together, get in the car, then mull over all this stuff. But that's it. You get a 20-minute drive to the swim thing, and that's it. Then you swim, and you got to get it out of your head again. So you're, you're in control. And so that's been something I've, been, I've learned recently. Anyway, I got, I got to go, guys. I've got uh, some classes and meetings I got to do now for the rest of my day. So have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll chat very soon. Bye-bye.